What we've got here is failure to communicate. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. Tough, unique, bad, bold, and sassy. 60% of the time, it works every time. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Take the pain. Take the pain! Have you ever seen a grown man naked? Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Today, Junior? It's too late to turn back now. It's the Brian Hanks. Indeed it is. Indeed it is. Hello. Live and on tape from beautiful Whitehall Drive. Here in the lovely, may I say, sexy city of Kenson. Why do I always say when Scott's sitting across from me? That's kind of weird. Yeah, I'm starting to catch on. I don't know how I feel about that now. <laughs> Yeah, you probably should feel a little weird about it. We are in the sexy city of Kenson, North Carolina. It is hump day. Yeah, baby. Wednesday, May 3rd. Dude, it's the last day of May. We are five months into 2023, dude. Yeah, we are. This is insane, man. It's uh, Wednesday, May the 31st in the year of the Lord, 2023. This is episode 871 of the Brian Hanks Show presented by Lenore Community College. My co-hosts, John Dawson and Jonathan Massey, while they'll be joining me here at the end of the second hour today for the birthday game. We have another great show for you here today. Joining me live right now in our plush, well-lit studios, the son of Kinston himself, it's Scott Whittington. Good morning, Scott. Good morning, Brian. Woo! (laughs) We're just jamming out over here right now. (laughs) You know what? I don't give anybody else walk-up music, dude. You got walk-up music. There we go. This song... The song gets me pumped up, ready to go. <laughs> this is so awesome. You were telling me uh, as we were starting to show, I got to turn that down just a little bit, you're, that you've been listening to something because you were doing it when you walked in. You're uh-huh. going, wait a minute. Got to let the beat drop here. <laughs> They're under ruse. There you go. Scott Whitting just walk up music. This is Narco by Blaster Jacks. And uh, Timmy Trumpet. And Timmy Trumpet. Oh, hey, you cannot leave out Timmy Trumpet. No, he makes this song. There you go. Oh, my God, dude. That's awesome. Okay. Hey, joining us in about 20 minutes or so right here on the Spence Automotive Guest Line. Man, I just want to, like, quit talking and just listen to this, dude. I know. I know. People should have seen you dancing in here. You had <laughs> arms flailing, head going back and forth. <laughs> Oh, wait, is it over? Is it over? Sounds like it's over, Scott Whittington. It's not, though. It's not, though, is it? It's not, okay. Hey, uh, like I said, joining us about 20 minutes or so on the Spence Automotive Guest Line. He's the voice of Duke baseball and Duke women's basketball and what about 20 other sports for various broadcast entities. It's our good friend. Chris Edwards. Chris Edwards. He's going to help us navigate the NCAA baseball tournament, uh, amongst other subjects. We're going to talk about a ton of stuff with him when he joins us here. Uh, on our Spence Automotive guest line, <laughs> dude, I just I, I just want to listen to this. <laughs> That's awesome. Here we go. 
That's how we really opened the show. There we go. There you go. I love it. Hey, that's just our first hour. Scott Whittington here in the studio. Chris Edwards on our Spence Automotive guest line. In our second hour, we're going to have a first-time guest to the show, and I know you you love her. If you meet her, you love her. She's awesome. Uh, awesome. April Houston, the executive director for RAD, raising awareness for the developmentally disabled. Hold on. Okay, we're getting distracted now. Narco. Should we get walk-up music for everybody? <laughs> no, because this will happen right yeah, here. We yeah. can't get the show going. There you go. There's still just 15 seconds left. Okay, okay. folks, just stay with us. Stay I'm with sorry. us. Don't go anywhere. Sorry, Mr. Everybody. Clemens, don't leave us. Don't leave us. Danny, don't go. Yeah, Danny, don't go. Hold on. <laughs> Pam Sheffield, it's almost over. <laughs> there you go. How about that? Woo! Well, we got through that. That's almost like having Shane Albee on the phone with us, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God! Can you imagine having that playing and having Shane all be on the line with you at the same time too? And having Jay Wilson on the other end. Oh my God! <laughs> my head might explode, Scott Weddington. Mm. Anyway, uh, like I said, Scott Weddington, Chris Edwards here in our first hour, in our second hour, uh, the 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 super awesome April Houston. You know she makes the best pickles in the world. You know that, right? I did not know that. I, yes, she does. I, They're in my. I have. I still have some in my fridge. But uh, I'm hoping if she's listening right now, she's going. You know what? I'm going to grab a jar of pickles and bring them with me when I when I go do Brian's show. There you go. What do you think? There you go. You're a pickle guy, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. This is, I've unfortunately have not had the uh, chance to meet April yet. So. Really? Oh, yeah. I thought you knew her. Yeah, she's a dude. She's in almost every Down East Wood Ducks game. She's a season ticket holder for the Wood Ducks, and uh, just just an all around great person. I mean, she's, uh, I think she's in rotary. I've not, I've not been in rotary now for a couple of years, uh, but I think I know, I, I think I know you're dark haired lady. Uh, I think she's on the freedom classic committee. Yes, she is. Okay. Yep. I know yep. exactly what you're talking yep. about. Never mind. Disregard. No, 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 dude. She's super awesome. Uh, loves Linda and I, I mean, she's, she's a great parent. She's a great, like I said, executive director, director saw, for red. Saw her last night at the wood. Dust yeah. Game. Oh, okay. I'm sure you did. Yeah. She saw, uh, Linda, last night, uh, your mom was telling me, by the way, how about the giveaway hats last night? How about them? They look pretty good. Listen, I'm a big guy. Yeah, they look good. I agree. Listen, Wood Ducks just do such a great job with giveaways. Mm -hmm. We've talked about that for years. But it fits good, too. I mean, it fits good. Is that good English? It fits well. How about that? It fits well on my – I have a weird head. I don't know if you've ever noticed that before, dude, but I – you know. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you said it you went oh, there i know i know dude it is i have a weirdly shaped head dude so to find a hat and yes i have a ton of hats but to find a hat that really fits my weirdly shaped head well i, I have trouble with that sometimes and i gotta tell you put that slid that hat on last night uh uh linda your mom went to uh, the game last night used our season tickets uh, i guess her and pam sheffield went last night by the way good morning pam tell her good morning good morning pam there you go and uh uh, used our tickets last night and so we could get the hat because I had to pre-record last night. Uh, yeah. Tuesdays are becoming our pre-recording night with uh, John and Jonathan. She brought that hat in last night, dude. I pulled that thing. I, I put it to the three notches, you know, on the back of because it was a uh, snap. What do you call them? Snapback. Snapback. Thank you. See, you you and you crazy kids, you know snapback. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and dude, fit perfectly. There you go. Perfectly. I was so happy about that. But uh, we're going to get to the Wood Ducks here in a little bit. But, again, 
Great guest today, Scott Whittington and I. We're going to talk about a bunch of stuff. Then we're going to get Chris Edwards up here on the line. We're going to talk primarily NCAA baseball tournament. Uh, man, I've got I've got the bracket right here in front of me. I can't wait. Bracket and pairings and everything. Pirates going for it all. You think so? Who knows? Who cares if they go for it? And I do. I hope they make it. I hope they go for it all. I just want to see him go to Omaha, dude. I want to have Cliff Godwin. Yes, I'm pointing to Cliff here in our plush wallet studio. You, Cardboard Cliff. (laughs) Cardboard Cliff. You. Uh, Let me ask you this. Okay, they're in the Charlottesville uh, Regional. Uh, Danny will be there all weekend, our good friend Danny Rice. I know you and I are going to try to make it up there at least one day, right? Yeah. (laughs) It it just, it was, I thought they would be here in Greenville. I got to tell you, I was sort of banking on that a little bit. But uh, we're going to try at least one day, maybe two, but at least one day. Probably, yeah, you're, you're showing me the one because I, I got work to do Friday. I really need to be back Sunday. So, uh, But we'll play that by ear. We'll, we'll see how that goes. But uh, I, I got to ask you, as a, and you're not, I mean, you are an ECU fan. Don't get it twisted. I'm sitting here watching or looking at what you've got on across from me here. Go Pirates. Go Pirates, indeed. But uh, I don't know, man. I, you were not surprised they didn't get a uh, uh, home regional, weren't you? You were not surprised. Uh, I was not. Um, but I think at the end of the championship game, I think Cliff made a made an argument for his guys. You know, 45 wins and not a lot of other teams in the country have. LSU doesn't have 45 wins right now. Um, shoot, I don't even think. Okay, Wake Forest has 47. Never mind. But in the AAC regular season championship, um, he made an argument. But, I mean, that Campbell game, the midweek game a couple weeks ago, uh, we lost that one. That hurt. Um, losing to South Florida last week, last Tuesday, that hurt. And I was reading uh, on Twitter, uh, the D1 guy, he kept saying, what we need to do last week is just win. Yeah. If we win the AAC tournament, we got a shot. Didn't happen. Um, so yeah, and I will say, I don't know if you're going to take it here, but, uh, speaking of losing that game to Campbell, Campbell got rocked. Yeah. And I just wanted to put that out there. I tell you what, put a pin in that because uh, we're going to talk about a a bunch of this stuff with, uh, I I wanted to just primarily do ECU talk with you right now. Okay. Okay. We'll do Campbell talk when we get uh, Chris Edwards up here on the phone and, uh, ACC talk and everything. I, I, you're my ECU expert. Okay. I mean, and that's why. I wanted to primarily talk about that. I thought it was curious. I mean, now, uh, of course, they were uh, invited to the Charlottesville Regional, which is hosted by the God-fearing Cavaliers of the University of Virginia. Tell them what I'm doing right now. Showing us his tattoo. <laughs> well, but what tattoo? I mean, the people don't may not know what tattoo it is. I don't know what school that is. <laughs> it's v- a University of Virginia tattoo. It's a V, two swords, and it's 2019. Yeah, well, that uh, honoring and commemorating the uh, 2019 men's national basketball championship. But uh, in a serious way, Charlotte's uh, Virginia gets to host one. They play the first game of the day. This kind of surprised me. Virginia is going to take on West Point. I don't know why the NCAA insists on calling it Army West Point. Just call it Army. You know, it's Army at West Point. I mean, it, 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 that wasn't the NCAA. That was uh, the Academy came out with that branding a couple years ago. I did not know that. And, okay. Um, I do agree with that. Uh, it was either Army or yeah. West Point, but now it's Army West Point. Um, I don't like it, though. As a 
as a veteran, as an Army veteran, now I didn't go to West Point. I was just enlisted. Yeah. But still, I just don't – I that bugs me, Army West Point. Okay, but thank you. I appreciate you explaining that. I thought that was a NCAA thing. But in the Charlottesville Regional, and all games begin on Friday. Usually they'll stagger them, and they'll have, like, some games on Friday, opening games, and some games on Saturday. Everybody's starting on Friday mm-hmm. in the NCAA I mean, tournament this year. Do you like that? I'm not a fan of that. Uh, I mean, usually that that's how they've been doing it the past few years. They kind of went away from that uh, – Friday, Saturday. Uh, uh, Friday, Saturday. Or was it even and Thursday? Did they start playing on Thursday? Mm-mm. Okay, it was um, always Friday, Saturday. Okay. They usually only went – the past five years it's been everything on Friday. And okay. then, uh, I mean, hey, you love college baseball like me. Friday's going to be a great day. Yeah. Sit down, baseball. Well, my point that I want to make about specifically, like I said, we're, we'll open it up to everything when we have uh, Chris Edwards here on the line with us in a few minutes. But – Usually the host team plays the nightcap game, yeah, and, so, and that's the but so Virginia's playing West Point. I, can, I refuse to call them Army West Point. Either Virginia plays Army at noon, and it's on ESPN Plus. Then the seven o'clock nightcap game on the Deuce ESPN two, not ESPN Plus, mind you. How about that ECU versus Oklahoma? Channeling my inner Keaton Mitchell over here throwing up his Deuce. Um, <laughs> Former EC running back who's now with the Ravens. Um, so something they've done the past few years that's kind of new. They're letting the host team choose what game they want, what slot they want. Really? So Virginia said, "Hey, let's let's play at one." Um, We're at noon, actually. It's a noon. Uh, noon. Start. Yeah. Uh, I know the past. Uh, it, what year? It was twenty twenty one. ECU. Went first. They played the noon game in their regional. Last year, I believe they opened up the nightcap. I mean. It's just maybe how the coach or whatever sees their pitching or whatever and just decides that's the way they want to do it. But still, I just thought that was neat that how about that in the Charlottesville regional, mm-hmm. Virginia, the God-fearing Cavahoos of the University of Virginia are on the plus, are on ESPN plus, and then ECU is going to be on ESPN too. That's just that's of all and dude, there's what? There's sixteen regionals. Only one can be on e, the regular ESPN. I'm trying to see who that is. And then you've got ESPN two at seven o'clock. It's just that is amazing to me. That that is uh that's pretty impressive to me, dude. Pirates on the deuce, prime time. There you go. I still can't find it. Uh on ESPN U is TCU in Arizona. In fact, I don't think there's anybody on ESPN, dude. How about that's true. There's not. ECU and Oklahoma, and uh, give us a little quick scouting report on Oklahoma. I know you were telling me about it the other day, and I wanted you to save it for your appearance here on the show. Oklahoma, the Sooners, pretty good program, even though they're only thirty-one and twenty-six. Yeah, I mean they're one of the last four teams in this year. But uh, for anyone that watches college baseball, remember where this Oklahoma team was last year. They were the national runner-up last year. They lost to Ole Miss in the national championship in Omaha last year. They they got going towards the end of the season last year and got in and just went through the tournament. Um, you know, and, and they're back. They're right back in the tournament. Got got rolling, got hot, uh, last four in. So, I mean, they, they've been – they've recently been here, been, been there, done all that. They know what it takes to get to uh, Omaha. Yeah, so very good. Yeah, it, check your message. I just a, sent you a message. It's going to be a tough to... game. Um, 
It's going to be a tough, uh, tough matchup. Uh, <laughs> thanks. We've, um, no, we've got. I know I threw you off there. Well, let me tell you this. I just got a message from uh, Greg Clemens for you. It's funny. It's funny. He said Scott is just glad ECU is playing the Oklahoma baseball team and not the Oklahoma softball team. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I tell you, Oklahoma softball. I think yeah. I think their record is ridiculous. I think they're like. They got less. I think it's less than three losses on the year. Good lord! I, I think yeah, I, something like that. It's mm. they're they're a powerhouse. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. There you go. That's Scott Whittington. I am Brian Hanks. Uh, let me get you caught up on everything else before we get Chris Edwards up here on the line with him. Already been communicating with him. He will be joining us here in uh in a few moments here on the show. Want to tell you about the Down East Wood Ducks? Yeah, I want to talk. I thought that would be a good thing to. Uh, talk to chris about too okay about right. his reputation yeah yeah and uh we're doing all this stuff behind the yeah. scenes while yeah. we're on there but uh we I, you know what i know because i wanted your reaction with chris on the line to uh to a uh, navy head baseball coach uh, paul costacopoulos uh retiring uh yesterday or announcing his retirement i sent him a message he didn't message me back my feelings were a little bit hurt dude. I, but I, I know he probably had to have yeah. had hundreds of people probably messaging him yesterday and I don't know. I got to tell you. Did you message him? I did. And did he, and, did he answer you? Not yet. Okay. Usually, Good. Then usually, I feel, I feel better. Than usually, you're close to him. Well, usually with him, it takes a day and a half to get back to you. So, well, he is old and technology is, you know, glad he's not listening. <laughs> now. He'd be kicking my ass right now. That's for sure. <laughs> hey, I uh, wanted to give everybody a junius update. We've been doing it here in the mm-hmm. monologue every day. Uh, Junius is slowly improving. I uh, didn't get a chance to go see him yesterday. I'm going to try either today or tomorrow, and I'm going to really try today. I've got a uh, – anyway, uh, but message – did a lot of extensive messaging with his mom yesterday, and he uh, he's getting better. He's getting better. But, Scott, the thing is just it's frustrating to me, and it's sad to me. This is going to be a slow process. This is not something that, you know, you hurt your ankle, and two yeah. days later you're better and or getting better. This is brain surgery. You know, yeah. and that's the thing, Scott, that's the thing I'm having to wrap my mind around is yeah. that this isn't something that, you know what, Hey, you had brain surgery and three days later, he's already up and, you know, flourishing and running up and down the halls at the hospital. It's not, I mean, he's, in fact, he's not been up yet and they're, yeah. uh, they just removed the breathing tube. He's still got tubes in his head. Uh, and just, I guess the thing that I want to say is in this community and you know, better than anybody, Scott, this community has been praying for him and. I know everywhere I go, I'm asking about him. I'm sure everywhere you go, you're asking about him. Just keep praying for him. If you're the praying type, he needs him. I mean, he really needs him. This is it's going to be an extremely slow. This is going to be a just getting back to a relative kind of normal. It's going to be probably a three to four to five month process. And uh, we just need to keep praying. Your thoughts, Junius. Uh, your thoughts, Scott. Uh, yeah. Um, sorry. I know. Uh, I know you're in Yeah. I'm um, emotional about it, too. Um, it's my boy. I know. Um, you know, mom was telling me everything that was going on with him, and I, I had to ask her to stop. I, yeah. I couldn't process um, it. Yeah. You know, I, I wish right now it was just that simple. He could be back out here flourishing, running around, doing his thing. I, I wish it was that simple because I, I hate to see him this way. I hate to see anybody this way. Um, you know, I've been, been praying real hard. Um, I know Celeste has been too. She's been asking any updates as well uh we we all love genius um nothing but he's been nothing but good yeah. and just praying for him i know he's gonna pull through make a make a 
100% recovery. Uh, can't wait to see him. Amen. Couldn't say it any better myself. And I appreciate you. Wednesday, it's, it's kind of uh, bittersweet because Wednesday, I mean, I love having you on. Don't get it twisted, yeah. uh, Scott. But uh, it's bittersweet because this is typically his spot is the, uh, you know, the Wednesday first hour. And you're doing a good job filling in for him, dude. I appreciate it. Well, Thank well, you. Well, I appreciate it. And last week you had, you asked me to do this uh, last week and this week. And I will tell you, it is a honor to fill in for him. Yeah. Um, hate the circumstances, but uh, it's, it's an honor, honor to fill in for him uh, in his hour. And I uh, hope he keeps fighting. And uh, like I said, just can't wait to see him. There you go. Okay, uh, before we get uh, Chris up here, I do want to mention Down East Wood Ducks won last night. They beat the Carolina League South leading uh, Columbia Fireflies. Who are they? Caught a Firefly. Oh, dear God. Who are they associated with, the Fireflies? They've bounced back and forth between the Mets and Royals. Okay. I think it's I just, the Royals. See, that, I trust you. You're it's my, the Royals because they were their guys were wearing Royal stuff last night. I love it. Uh, they beat them three to nothing last night. The Wood Ducks are now twenty four and eighteen. They remain a half game behind the hated Carolina Mudcats for first place in the Carolina League North. Now the series with the Fireflies continues today at seven o'clock at Historic Granger Stadium. It's Winning Wednesday. You buy a ticket, the win, the Wood Ducks win tonight. You take that ticket to the box office, you get a, a future Wednesday game for free. Scott Whittington, how about that? Yeah, how about that? Uh, I have a question about Winning Wednesday. Hit me with Winning Wednesday. <laughs> I, I hope Clemens isn't listening. Um, <laughs> he is. He is. Uh, okay. What is our record on these Winning Wednesdays? I don't know. Last year it was not good. Well, since 2017, because I asked because. <laughs> We had this promotion. I think it's a great promotion. But I, I just remember historically being at the ballpark on Wednesday nights and not winning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they've been tough. We'll see what happens tonight, though. Listen, uh, today is winning Wednesday. Tomorrow is Thursday, Thursday. It's an umbrella giveaway on Friday. Thank you to our good friends over at Piggly Wiggly. A basketball jersey giveaway on Saturday, thanks to uh, Jim Walker Insurance Group. Uh, nationwide, and then Dogs and Dogs Day on Sunday. So uh, a lot of fun out at Historic Granger Stadium over the next little bit. And thank you to the Down East Wood Ducks for being a sponsor of the Brian Hank Show. And then how about the Kinston Wingmen? They won last night in Fayetteville. They beat the Fayetteville Shoots 8-6. to six. They are now 2-0. and oh. uh, The Wingmen are. They play their first home game tomorrow night at Lancer Field at Lenore Community College. That game is at 5 o'clock. They'll take on the Brunswick Surfing Turfs. Chris Edwards, have you ever heard of the Brunswick Surfing Turfs before? I, I have not. I don't know who we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Old North State League. It's a wood bat league. I think it's only been around about three or four years. But uh, Kenston's got a franchise in it this year. And uh, just, uh, dude, just uh, very excited to have uh, a lot. Listen, they play at 5 o'clock tomorrow. The Kenston Wingman taking on the Brunswick Surfing Turfs. You know what? You could go to that game at 5 o'clock. It pretty much you'll get the whole game in and then still go to the Wood Ducks game tomorrow night. Chris Edwards as a baseball junkie, that that's just – you're smiling right now, aren't you? That's my kind of doubleheader right there. <laughs> no. Listen, Chris Edwards, uh, dude, I hope you are ready. Scott Whittington and I have about 80 questions we're going to pepper you with over the next four, uh, 37 minutes or so. So I hope – are your shoulders loose and how's your back feel, man? You're going to be uh, – we're going to just be peppering you with questions here, dude. Well, let, 
Let's go. My back's a little sore today, but we'll do it the best we can. We can play hurt today. <laughs> there you go. I've, before, and I'm going to start, before we even get into college baseball, we're going to get in that in a little bit, but uh, the news broke last week, uh, and I haven't had a chance to talk to you about it, Chris. I just wanted to get your impression, but sad news here for Kenston as it was announced that the Down East Wood Ducks were sold uh, to uh, a baseball holdings company. And then literally, Chris, 10 minutes later, uh, the Post and Courier out of Spartanburg, South Carolina, announces that uh, that our team is going to be moved, <laughs> our team, and it is our team, is going to be moved to uh, Spartanburg into a bright, new, shiny $250 million facility. And uh, it, that's going to be, it's going to kind of be like Truist Park is, I guess, in Atlanta. They're building the baseball park, and they're going to be building all these restaurants and everything around it. First off, just your reaction to that, and uh, and I know you've got a you've said it before several times here on the show, Chris, that you've got a soft spot for Granger Stadium, you've got a soft spot for professional baseball here in Kenston. Just wanted your reaction, your thoughts on that that whole uh, that whole situation there, Chris. Yeah, Brian, it's disappointing for sure. I, I mean, I think unfortunately we kind of saw this coming, right, with some of the things that have been said the last couple of months it still doesn't make it any easier. And, and I think we're, we're losing a lot of Americana, not just in Kenton, but across the country with baseball. And everyone wants to go to these shiny new ballparks that can be mixed use. and You can use it for concerts and you can use it year round and you can have all these restaurants and everything. But to me, like there, there's something special about a ballpark built in the thirties or the forties or the fifties that still gets to host baseball. I mean, <laughs> we haven't torn Fenway park down yet, have we? And that was built in what? 19, 19- hundred yeah. like 1903 whatever like we haven't torn that down we haven't torn down wrigley field now I, I i get that we've made some that they have made some improvements to wrigley field they've made some improvements to fenway they've modernized it that's probably a bad example but i'm saying that to say we can find ways to make these older ballparks more modern and more convenient for these players i, I think it's dumb that we're just moving out of a town uh, because the ballpark's not what we want it to be. That, that's a bad excuse. And it, you know what? People are going to find reasons to move. I get that. But it's just really disappointing. And I'm sad for all my friends in Kenston and sad that Granger Stadium is not going to have baseball anymore. Well, we will have baseball. I mean, it's not going to be minor league baseball, it's not going to be affiliated minor league baseball. I mean, I can tell you, I have my ears to the ground, and I'm on a couple of committees here in town, too, Chris. We will have Coastal Plain League. Good. Uh, you know, Good. I mean, which, quite honestly, and you and I have talked about, hell, I can't believe I've known you since like, uh, what, 2006, 2007, something like that. Yeah, it sounds right. Long time. It has been a long time. And heck, you still look like you're 30 years old. So I guess I got to know you when you were 12 or 13. But anyway, anyway, I <laughs> thought you'd get a kick out of that. I don't but, look a day over 48. Uh, there you go. There you go. But, uh, you know, it, to me, Chris, it's a different situation than it was in 2011 when we lost the Kenston Indians. That was just just straight-up robbery. I mean, when uh, Zebulon and uh, that rat bastard and uh, with the Carolina Mudcats, Steve Bryant, stole our team. That was a completely different situation. We were still support. We were still more than 100,000, I think 120, 125,000 fans a year. Uh, it's a different situation now, Chris. I mean, this... We have shown in the – we're in our sixth season now of having the Wood Ducks, Chris, and this town has shown we can't do it. We're only averaging about, I don't even know, help me here, Scott, 1,100, 1,200 a game, something like that. And Sometimes. And in this day and age of minor league baseball, and especially when you look around the Carolina League, you've got to – you've really got to have 2,000 to 2,500 fans a game to support it. And I guess my point that I'm trying to make, and I just wanted you to react to, 
we have reached that point where we're a town of now less than 20,000 and Kenson has shown our little portion of ENC has shown we just can't support an affiliated minor league team and and that makes me sad Chris yeah I mean I I don't I don't know what the solution is yeah I I get that that it's all about the numbers right and I I get that they need support I, I understand the business aspect of it too and it's just a sad day that there's not going to be any professional affiliated baseball in that ballpark, which has so much history. Think about all the players that have yeah, come yeah. through through Kinston and through Granger Stadium with, with with the K Tribe and with the Wood Ducks. And I mean, it's just it's just sad. It's a sad situation all the way around. It definitely is. That voice you're listening to is Chris Edwards. I don't think I gave you a proper introduction. We just jumped right into talking to you. That's okay. Eight minutes ago. Well, you're our friend, man. And I forget that, you know, the listeners, they need to know who they're listening to. It's Chris Edwards. He is the voice of Duke baseball. He is the voice of Duke women's basketball. He, uh, he, he's called about, I don't even know, 20 to 22 different sports on uh, different regional networks. I mean, between ESPN plus and everything else that you do, man, it's just, I, I, I still don't know how you do it. We've talked about that in past, uh, visits with you, but you know, what? We'll, we'll get on that another day. Like I said, we've got so much stuff we want to talk to you about. And uh, a big thing for us that folks, uh, outside our bubble may not realize is a big subject to us, but, uh, the announcement of the retirement of, uh, us Naval Academy head baseball coach, Paul Costacopoulos yesterday. Why is that a big deal to us here? Well, we've had the freedom classic here, uh, since 2011 every year, except for the pandemic year. And, uh, he is just, he's one of those old time guys. I didn't know how many times your paths have crossed uh, in your many years of doing Duke baseball, but, uh, regardless, I mean, a legend in the, in the coaching ranks in NCAA baseball, your thoughts on, uh, coach Costacopoulos retiring, Chris, you know, as crazy as it is, this is my 11th year with Duke baseball. And I don't think we have ever played, uh, Navy at all in my 11 years. I do. How crazy is wow, that? Wow. That is crazy. Yeah. That's nuts. Um, <laughs> But I think you're starting to see a change of the guard a little bit, Brian. I mean, with some of these older – older is the wrong word. Some of these more veteran college baseball coaches. I mean, you mentioned he's been there, what, 18 years at Army? Is that right? Um, uh, or uh, Scott at, would know better Navy, than me. Yeah. yeah. And Navy, sorry. Yeah. Um, I mean, and then I saw the other day Gary Gilmore, Coastal Carolina. He's announced that after next season he's going to retire. So you're starting to see kind of a change of the guard a little bit uh, across college baseball. you got this – influx of younger coaches i think now college baseball has kind of become like professional baseball where there's more of a impetus on data and more of an emphasis on sabermetrics for lack of a better term and and we're going to use all of these numbers and these metrics and you know what maybe some of the older college baseball coaches don't want to deal with that anymore i'm not trying to put words in anybody's mouth but the game has changed a lot and you saw it a little bit in college basketball too with NIL, with the transfer portal. I mean, some of these coaches that have been around for a long time that have won, they don't they don't want to deal with all of this, and they don't need to either because they've been so successful. Why not get out whenever they're, they're still young enough to go and do whatever they want to do? They, they can go scout, go work in administration. You never know. Uh, but I think over the next five, six years, you're going to see kind of a, a more of a turnover uh, among college baseball coaches and probably college coaches in general where you see some of those older coaches get out and, some of these younger coaches that maybe are more in tune and maybe want to deal with the transfer portal or NIL or anything like that, they're going to start to become the head coaches across our sport. There you go. That voice again, Chris Edwards. And listen, Chris, I hope you don't mind. I want to uh, pass it to Scott here for a second because, see, I don't oh, even I know do if my- you – I don't even – oh, go ahead, dude. 
No, I do mind it. Oh, I you do? <laughs> <laughs> well, the, Scott has as unique a perspective of uh, Paul Costacopoulos as anybody that I know. And I don't even know if you know this, Chris, that Scott worked in the from what? From the first year in 2011 or mm-hmm. 2010 all the way. I think you still work in their dugout. He was a bat boy first for him. Then he's worked in their clubhouse when they come to town, dude. So, I mean, every year, Scott Whittington has worked in the U.S. Naval Academy's uh, dugout or clubhouse. And you've had a, a different view of Paul Costacopoulos than anybody else has had. Scott, I just wanted to give you a, a couple of minutes to uh, reflect on what he's meant to the Freedom Classic, what he's meant to Kenson and to the Naval Academy. Yeah, you know, we, we couldn't do the Freedom Classic without the uh, without the two coaches, Coach Costi and Coach Kaz at Air Force. Um, you know, Coach Costi's been nothing, nothing but good to me. Um, you know, it's it's sad to see him go, but it's sad it was time to to hang it up. And I I understand. Been there for eighteen years, and before that, he had some other stints somewhere else. And like Chris said, the game's changing. And uh, you know, just thankful for everything he's done for me and for the Freedom Classic Committee uh, to make it happen. And uh, Sad to see him go, but wish him nothing but the best in retirement. Absolutely. Can you share what what story can you share with me and Chris? Uh, one of your favorite. Do you have any? I mean, obviously every year one. is awesome. Yeah. Share share a story with Chris and I about a uh, costing. So uh, it was not in Kinston, but uh, I am I'm in uh, Camden Yards in 2013 with Paul and our cousin Riley, and we're at the uh, at the Orioles. Um, Cleveland game and randomly um I see a guy standing there looking at this video board I said I know that guy that's that's Costi <laughs> I walk up to him I said coach and I tapped him he goes oh my god I can't get away from you <laughs> <laughs> just randomly saw him in uh Camden Yards and uh every time he's come back to Kenton since he's he, he always talked about that and he'll even he'll even talk about that to other people like See, I can't. I can never get away from this guy. I saw him <laughs> randomly in Baltimore a couple years ago. That's awesome. Uh, well, I, I appreciate that. And again, having I've all you know, I've emceed the uh, the coaches meeting or the coaches uh, luncheon every Friday, pretty much since the beginning. And uh, he's always been so good. I mean, now he's got a dry sense of humor, and uh, and I hate that you never got to meet him, Chris, because you would like him. He's kind of got your sense of humor in a degree of just uh, <laughs> he is. I mean, very dry and. Uh, he's not a lowest common denominator type sense of humor either. Uh, he, he's smart, dude. I mean, he's a very smart guy and it just, again, he's going to be missed here in Kenston. And I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope, I know I was messaging with Bill Ellis yesterday when all this news broke about Costi retiring. I hope the new coach is as passionate about bringing the free, keeping the freedom classic in Kenston as Costi and, uh, uh, coach, uh, Kaz has in, uh, for the air force Academy. Here's what I'm scared about Chris and, Scott, you know, Coach Kaz was dropping all these hints about retiring when he was here in uh, Kenston back in February. I hope this doesn't mean we're going to have a double shot of both these guys. And I don't even know if you know this, Chris, since the very beginning of the Freedom Classic, they have been the head coaches of their respective programs. And now we've lost Costi. We could possibly lose Keselowski, uh, Coach Keselowski from Air Force Academy. That would be uh that would be a double hit, and I just hope that doesn't mean that we lose a freedom classic. And I'll just I'll leave it at that. Because like yep. I said, hey, we've got twenty five minutes to go here and we've only asked you two questions of the eighty that we have for you. Uh, that's okay. And I gotta fit an ad in here too. Hey, listen, uh 
Spence Automotive, they are, that is where I go to get my car service. It's where you should go to. Located at 603 Plaza Boulevard in the old Firestone building next to the Piggly Wiggly and Big Lots. Spence Automotive is owned by our good friend and local sports riding legend, Keith Spence. And it's open Monday through Saturday at 7.30 a.m. Spence Automotive takes care of all your car care needs and also sells great tires, too. Give Keith a call at Spence Automotive at 252-686-5011 the next time you need your car service. When you need new tires, Tell him the Brian Hanks Show sent you. And let's get back to our Spence Automotive guest line. It's our good friend Chris Edwards from Duke University. And now let's dive into what we were wanting to talk to you about, uh, and it's the NCAA tournament. Duke, uh, it's announced as the number two seed in the Conway Regional. Uh, Coastal Carolina is number one seed there. Duke, obviously, number two. UNC Wilmington, the three-seed rider, is the four-seed. Duke will open uh, their NCAA tournament at 1 o'clock on Friday. It'll be on ESPN+. Plus. Before we get you to break anything down, Chris, just are you happy with that? I mean, we knew Duke wasn't going to host, kind of like the same boat that we knew ECU wasn't going to host uh, a, a regional. But uh, how pleased are you that uh, that you're not having to go across the country, that you're just going down to, to the beach, essentially, dude? Well, I'm more pleased now that I'm not going to Lexington where I have to sleep in a dorm room for four Ooh. days. Uh, <laughs> That's the truth. Uh, I love the regional. I, I love that ballpark. I love Conway. Uh, and I think it's going to be a really competitive regional. Um, now, I think this could be said for a lot of regionals across the country because there's so much parity in college baseball. We talked about this before, just how much the game has grown and all these guys, college baseball is older. Everyone's got older guys. Everyone's got you know fifth and sixth year guys. They're still using their COVID years. Um, I, so I say that to say that nothing about this regional is going to surprise me. Uh, if Duke wins the regional in three games, that, I think that could happen. Duke could win the regional in five games and play a Monday if necessary. Duke could lose the regional in, in five games. Duke could go zero and two. I, I don't suspect that's going to happen, but I think it's a possibility. So, I mean, there are some really talented teams in this regional. And I tell you what, the ball is going to fly. Um, that's not a, a pitcher-friendly ballpark down there at Springsbrook Stadium in Conway. That's very much a hitter's ballpark. I expect a lot of home runs. All four of these teams can, can hit home runs, especially Coastal, who's really good in that ballpark. Um, it'll be a lot of fun. If you like offense, you should come down to Conway this weekend and check out this regional because there's going to be a lot of it. Uh, between these four teams. Duke's very familiar with Ryder. Played them, I don't know, a month ago on campus. And when they left town, I was talking with Coach Pollard, our head baseball coach, and he and I kind of said the same thing. Man, they're good. I hope we don't have to see them in June. And here we go. <laughs> Duke and Ryder, uh, potentially again, uh, hopefully in a winner's bracket game uh, on Friday, not a, a consolation bracket or a loser's bracket game. Coastal is really good. Uh, I mean, they're, they're a host team for a reason right but you look across college baseball and, and everybody that's in this tournament everybody that's in this tournament is a winner this is a winner's tournament you don't have any bad teams that are still playing baseball this time of the year everybody's good everybody can hit everybody can pitch and it's just a matter of who makes the most plays and who commits the fewest amounts of mistakes but i'm really excited about this regional uh excited that we get to make a, a short trip down to, to myrtle beach a little later today and fired up and ready to get things going on the radio on friday Chris, so you said uh, anything can happen in this regional. Conway's kind of the anybody can win regional. Who, what other regionals stick out to you that are that way? A lot of them. 
Scott. I, I think uh, the Miami regional for sure. I mean, you look at Texas as the two seed there. I mean, Texas, a team that you thought might be in the host conversation after they swept West Virginia to win the Big 12 regular season. <clears throat> and then they go two and out in the Big 12 tournament. I don't think anybody from the Big 12 really wanted to host based on how they played in the conference tournament. But Texas is a good team. Louisiana is a dangerous three seed there. I mean, they've won 40 games this season. So Miami really good at home in that ballpark. And I think the Hurricanes were probably a win away last Sunday from being a top eight seed. But I think Miami probably not feeling all that great about their uh, hosting, about their regional because, you know, they got a really tough two seed. Uh, same with Stanford. And you can look at Stanford and you're like, oh, man, you know, they're a top eight national seed. And they are. And Stanford's playing some really good baseball. They won the Pac-12 by, what, four or five games? But you've got Texas A&M as your two seed in Fullerton. We know how dangerous Fullerton always is as the three seed. And the reality is Stanford didn't play a very difficult schedule. I don't think that they played many teams in the top 50 of the RPI. I get that we want to reward the teams for winning the regular season. I understand that. Um, but I don't know. I just, I don't, I'm not sold on Stanford yet. And I'm not, how about this? Breaking news. Here you go. I'm not sold on Wake Forest either. Um, Yeah, Scott said the same thing, but you're the one that's seen him up close for uh, this season. Uh, why Why are you skeptical about uh, the Demon Deacons? Look, no, they're good. I mean, they, they were the best team in our league, and we didn't. I didn't see Wake. We saw them the first week in a conference play, so that's what, uh, early early to mid-March? Yeah. And they, they've done some really impressive things, the way they've pitched in that ballpark, the way they can hit. They're a really good team, and they won the ACC going away. But if you're Wake Forest, you're the number one overall national seed, and you get Maryland, who won the Big Ten regular season and tournament title, a team that's won 41 games, and they're your two seed, you're like, ooh. Well, I mean, congratulations, you're the number one national seed, and you get one of the hottest teams in the country. <laughs> and then you got Northeastern, who Duke played in March. And, man, I was really impressed with Northeastern. They beat Duke. Mike Glavin, the brother of Tom Glavin, is the head coach of Northeastern. And they're a really dangerous three seed, too. So I – I think that one of those two teams could get Wake Forest if the Demon Deacons aren't careful. And then you, you get potentially in a super regional, either Alabama, who's playing with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, let's be honest, or you get Boston College, who's also playing with a chip on their shoulder. The Eagles feeling like they probably should have hosted a regional, and they didn't. I mean, something to be said for that. I, I Remember last year we, were, we had this conversation, and you were like, Chris, are you going to take Tennessee or the field? And I was like, I'm going to take the field. <laughs> you, I'm and take, you were right. I was. I'm going to take the field and not take Wake Forest. How about that? There you go. I like it. That voice you listen to is Chris Edwards. He's the voice of Duke baseball. He is the uh, voice of Duke women's basketball. We are just talking just all NCAA baseball right now. Who was maybe a team when they announced the regional sites on Sunday night uh, the 16 regional sites we knew here in uh, Eastern North Carolina and Kinston, even in Greenville, uh, Chris. I mean, there was an outside hope and fingers were crossed and all that. We were hoping Greenville would be a regional host, but especially with the way they ended uh, the AAC tournament and losing to a 19-win team in the AAC championship game, anybody with pretty much any common sense knew that ECU was not going to host. But was there a program or two that maybe made made that made you shake your head Chris and you're like, wait a minute, this program didn't get a, a home didn't get a home regional. Were there were there was there a program or two like that, Chris? Yeah, yeah. For me, is Boston College. Okay. Well, actually, there's two: uh, Boston College and Campbell. Those were the two that I thought had a legitimate chance to host. Um, Boston College, 
their body of work speaks for itself. Same with Campbell. But for Boston College, I think this was a really a, it was a missed opportunity by the committee to grow the sport, to grow the game of college baseball, because no team has ever hosted an on-campus regional in the Northeast. And Boston College has got a great facility, a great ballpark that they built in Brighton. They're, they finished top five, top six in the ACC. And it's a team that's really good, as most teams are at home. And I thought Boston College did enough to host a regional. And the same with Campbell. I mean, you can argue, that, okay, they, they've kind of faltered down the stretch of the regular season, lost two or three to South Carolina upstate, whatever. But another chance to grow the game, to grow the sport. I mean, how many times – Oh, we had a regional in Bowie's Creek. In this case, it would have been in Fayetteville. You know, our friends in the Sandhills would have turned out in droves for that regional, too. I mean, it's just a missed opportunity to go to some of these smaller schools, to go to a region of the country where there's not a lot of college baseball. I mean, people in the Northeast would have turned out to see Boston College. And think about the teams you could have put in the Northeast, Boston College, Northeastern. You could have put a UConn there. I mean, that would have been a really good regional. Um I'm just disappointed that we kind of went back to the same old guard. You know, I'm disappointed that South Carolina's hosting. You could have sent uh, South Carolina to Bowie to Fayetteville. You could have put South Carolina, NC State, uh, Campbell, and one other school down there in Bowie's Creek. Shoot, you could have put South Carolina, Campbell, NC State, and Army in Bowie's Creek. And the NCAA loves to make money, allegedly. <laughs> so allegedly. Imagine, um, imagine putting Army – in Campbell's Regional in Fayetteville. It would have been a home game for Army with Fort Bragg right there. Missed opportunity, I think, but whatever. I'm, I'm not on the committee. I just think there, there are other ways we should find to grow the game. That's one of the ways. And we got to figure out something with the RPI because the RPI is broken. Look, I can sit here and talk about the RPI. We have the net ranking in men's and women's basketball, and that's broken too. we we got to find a better solution than the RPI because that's antiquated. It's, it's not it we got to find better metrics to evaluate these teams than just the RPI. So we just talked about teams who uh, got essentially robbed of hosting a regional, and you mentioned RPI because it was brought up yesterday. But let's go to the teams who missed the tournament. Talk about what are your thoughts, because you're someone who's up close with the game, what are your thoughts on Kansas State's uh, head coach's thoughts? Yeah, you know, it's funny. You were starting to talk about that, Scott, and I was pulling up Kansas State uh, baseball. I mean, Pete Hughes uh, had a scathing statement yesterday about how his team did everything right. I'm trying to pull up the statement right now as we talk. Division One committee and the system failed K-State, our program, and our seniors. It was obvious the committee overemphasized the RPI, a flawed metric. The regional disparities of the RPI are glaring and still used as a tool to form, shape, and make decisions. He went on to talk from that. And, and even the head of the selection committee talked about that. He said that Kansas State was one of those teams that did everything right. Well, if they did everything right, they should be in the NCAA tournament. You know, like, I, I get that the RPI puts more of a value on, on certain things, and that makes it easier for teams that are in our region, our region of the country, the Southeast, the, mid, the Midwest. It's harder for teams in the Northeast and, and out West to play these games that are going to move the RPI. So with, with that thought in mind, why do we want to become a regionalized sport again? I mean, we college baseball has grown so much since I started doing Duke baseball a decade ago. Like the, the popularity of the sport, the people who pay attention to the sport, who are invested into the sport, 
like it's grown exponentially even over the last decade. So we've got to find a way to not regionalize college baseball and make it just a, a southeast, southwest kind of sport and, and getting rid of the RPI or combining you know RPI, RPI plus and ELO rankings. If you combine all of those, and there are other metrics you can use, that's another way to, to grow the game in a more positive light. I, I don't fault Pete Hughes for what he said. He's probably right. I mean, John Cohen basically said on ESPN2 during the selection show on Monday that we got to figure out a way to fix the RPI, and hopefully that's at the top of the committee's priority list as we go into the offseason. There you go. That voice you're listening to is Chris Edwards. He's the voice of Duke baseball and the voice of reason. How about that? I mean, I, I don't know. That's pretty scary if I'm the voice of reason. <laughs> there you go. Here's what concerned me, and you, as we continue this talk about <clears throat> RPI and all that, 10 SEC teams – Eight ACC teams, and so 18 of the 64 teams in the field, almost a third of the field, Chris Edwards, was made up out of two conferences, and that just that that's crazy to me. And then when you throw in six from the Big 12, five from the Pac 12, I want you know what that's what was the beauty, and I know it's ironic since that's where you're headed here, like you said later on today, but you know it it. Did my heart good to see Coastal Carolina win a national championship a few years sure. ago. I love that. I love when the little guy can step up and, and win a, a national title, which, you you know, and baseball to me is that sport where that can happen. But, man, when you've got 18 teams from the SEC and the ACC that are in there and, what, eight uh, regional hosts or SEC teams, four are ACC, so then 12 of the 16 uh, regional hosts are from those two conferences. It's not going to change if that continues, right? Nope, it sure it is not. It is not going to change. Uh, and, I, you know, look, the reality is the SEC thinks that they run college sports. It just means more, they say. <laughs> um, and, and, but, like, they, they have a, an argument. You know, they're, they're the number one – I'm going to kind of contradict myself. They're the number one RPI conference in the country. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I, I do think, and I've said this to people, the SEC is obviously very good. There's a lot of talented teams, a lot of talented players across that league. Uh, but I think top to bottom, the ACC is a deeper conference this year than the SEC. Uh, and maybe that's me looking at it through go ACC sunglasses, right? Um, but you're right. It's not going to change. And we've, we've got to find a way to grow the game. And we've got to find a way to bring college baseball into some other communities where it doesn't always get to go. The Northeast would be a great place to go, right? Going to Boston College would be great. We've had regionals out west at Oregon and Oregon State. That's great. We need to have more of that. We need to have more regionals in small towns, you know, in, in North Carolina. I can remember when I was I was in high school probably. I was 15, 16 years old. NC State was renovating Doak Field, and there was a regional played in Wilson at uh, Fleming Stadium. Uh, went down there, and the regional was sold out. I mean, bring bring these regionals to these small towns. Bring these. And I, you don't want to go. You don't want to backtrack to the point where you have predetermined regional sites. That's not the answer either. But the answer is finding ways to get the game into other communities where you can grow the game. And I think that's on the that's the responsibility of the committee. That's the responsibility of college baseball as a whole to find ways to grow the game and grow the sport. We're obviously trying to do that already with these pace of play initiatives, the action clause, all these things that are positive. So why not continue to find positive ways to grow the game by moving the game into some of these other communities that don't get to experience firsthand 
how great college baseball is. You know what? This is what I want to do, and I think Scott will back me up on this. I vote Chris Edwards to be the college baseball guru, to be the college – no, no, the college baseball czar. How about that, mm. dude? There we go. I'll take that job. <laughs> there you go. And I, but you are. You have a lot of common sense, and I just think that having somebody that's – you would you would be good in that role. Well, that's a that's a conversation for another day. Okay, we got about eight minutes left here before the top of the hour, and I I need some prog- some prognostications uh, from uh, Chris Edwards. What do you think, dude? All right, let's go for it. Uh, let's start with your Conway Regional, and I know you're affiliated with Duke. You are the voice of Duke baseball, but I got to tell you, and you kind of alluded to it uh, earlier in the in your appearance here. But hey, Scott and I were saying this before we pulled you up, and not to suck up to you, dude, but. This looks like, to me, a very good opportunity for the Blue Devils to come out of Conway, dude. I think so, too. When it was when it was announced on Monday, I felt pretty good about the draw. Now, look, I'm not trying to take anything away from Coach. No, 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 no. And I know right. you're not. I know you're not. Yeah. Um, but, but Duke's got the best ERA of any of the four teams in this regional. They've got one of the best offensive numbers. Somebody on Twitter last night did like a regional comparison, and Duke's offensive numbers are, are pretty good. Their pitching numbers are really, really good. Uh, keep the ball down. That's the key this weekend. Don't let them run the ball out of the yard. Uh, but I, I do feel good about the Blue Devils' chances to come out of here and get to a Super Regional for the first time since 2019. There you go. Charlottesville Regional. Obviously, we got to get some ECU talking here, too. Virginia, the one seed, taking on West Point. Uh, the first game, that's a 1-4 matchup. And then ECU taking on an Oklahoma team that uh, Scott told us was one of the final four into the league. How... What kind of possibility, and again, you're outside the bubble, uh, Chris, what kind of possibility do you give the Pirates uh, making their way out of the Charlottesville Regional? Well, you know, Oklahoma was in the National Championship Series last year, and now they're one of the last four teams in this year. Just kind of tell it speaks to the parity of college baseball. Um, I, I like ECU to give Virginia a run for their money this week. Now, w- Virginia's playing some really, really good baseball right now, and I was telling somebody earlier this week that they've got a really dangerous lineup. They've got a couple of potential first-rounders over the next couple of years. Jake Geloff is their third baseman. He is a phenomenal player. I think he is toward the top of career home runs in Virginia history. Kyle Teal is their great catcher. They've got a really good starting rotation. It's going to be tough for the Pirates, uh, but I, I'm selfishly I'm kind of rooting for ECU to come out of this regional. Then we can get a Duke-ECU Super Regional, and the winner goes to Omaha. Would that not be – you want to talk about testing Scott Whittington's allegiance as he's sitting here across <laughs> from me right now? He, uh, we've said this, and we joke about it, but it's actually not even a joke. There's no bigger fan of Chris Edwards than uh, than Scott Whittington. You know this. I mean, if you had a fan club, and I, maybe you do, Scott Whittington would be the president of the Chris Edwards fan club. How conflicted do you think he would be for a Duke ECU Super Regional, dude? I don't know what he would do. He might just – bury himself into his room and not come out until it's over and just cheer for whoever wins. There you go. Very good possibility there. Okay. okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, go Can ahead. I speak on that? Yes, you may. Okay. Uh, I'll go ahead and put this to bed. Chris, I love you. But, I mean, I, I'm hey, a when, pirate. So, when he says, Chris, I love you, but you know there's bad stuff coming. I, right, Chris? It's fine. It's fine. I understand. I'm, I'm a student at East Carolina. Yeah. I, I, I got I to go with where I go to school. Um it happens wish wish you nothing but the best chris but go pirates <laughs> there you go hey by the way chris and i know i we we can't get way off on this topic do you know that uh our boy over here scott whittington is a student manager for the ecu football team now did you know that i heard a rumor i heard a rumor yeah. congratulations 
I appreciate it. Well, I'm happy for him. I, okay, I want to talk out of both sides of my mouth here, Chris. I'm happy for him. I really am. This is his dream. But I'm also upset because he comes home with brand new ECU gear pretty much every night. And I'm like, man, look at those shoes. Man, look at that hoodie. Man, look at those shorts. I mean, he has new gear every day, every time he comes you, home, dude. Brian, you would think for all that you've done for him and have him on your show every day, he could like spare like a pair of shoes or a hoodie or something. Did you hear that from from I, your I, mouth to God's ears and I Scott Whittington's ears? Okay, I hear him. I hear him. <laughs> there you go. You would think. There you go. Okay, let's hit a couple more of these uh, okay. I, because I did want to talk to you about Clemson. I mean, the hottest team in college baseball right now, but they are also uh, in the same regional with Tennessee. And I know Tennessee not quite the season that they had last year. Obviously, they're a two seed headed, like I said, down to Clemson, but. That one, to me, opened my eyes up a little bit. Again, the hottest team in college baseball as we sit right now, Clemson, in my opinion, and then Tennessee going in there. Man, that's going to be a lot of orange. There's going to be a lot of bloodshed in that regional, isn't there? Well, everything's already orange at Clemson. Um, <laughs> yeah, and you know what? They've won 14 straight games. <clears throat> How does that help you? I don't think it does. I mean, think about 2021. Duke had won 12 in a row going into the NCAA tournament, that didn't help them a whole lot. Nope. Uh, when the first pitch is thrown on Friday, everybody's 0-0. Nobody's got a winning streak or a losing streak. It's a new season. I like Tennessee to come out of that region. Wow. Do you? <clears throat> I do. How now, about that? Now, we saw Clemson <clears throat> season. saw Clemson uh, early. in the, I think it was the first or second ACC weekend. And I left there. I'm like, eh, they're not that good. You know, credit Coach Backich and the job that he and his staff have done at getting that team uh, to a top eight national seed. But I was like, eh, I don't know. Like, <laughs> you get hot at the right time, but they haven't they haven't played since Sunday. I mean, obviously they won the ACC tournament. Didn't help the Blue Devils a whole lot. I just think it's different when you get into the NCAA tournament. I, I think it goes five games, but I think Tennessee wins that regional. We only got to about six of the 40 questions we had for you, but I want to make it, but I want, Hey, dealer's choice here or deal Lee's choice, I guess here, Chris, what are, with all the uh, regionals that are going on, obviously we've talked about Duke we, or we've talked about Conway. We've talked about Charlottesville, Winston, Salem, uh, Clemson's now, what are, you know what? Give me one or maybe two regionals that, uh, Chris Edwards is going to be looking out. Of, of course, you're going to be up to your eyeballs in Conway, taking care of Duke University and all that. But maybe one or two regionals that you're going to be keeping a, a, an eyeball on uh, because it, it's so juicy, Chris Edwards. I'll give you a couple real quick. Um, the Stanford Regional, I think Texas A&M can win that. I think Texas or Louisiana can win the Miami Regional, so I'll be watching that. Uh, I also am curious to see what happens at Indiana State and Terre Haute. Uh, Indiana State, obviously a really good one seed. I mean, they had a great year. They've kind of faltered toward the end. North Carolina is the three seed in that regional. Uh, Iowa is really good, too. So I'm going to be watching that because I think Carolina could win that regional. I think Wright State, who's always one of the most offensive teams in the country, they could give Indiana State a run for their money. That's going to be a sneaky good regional there in Terre Haute. So keep your eyes on that one. That is awesome. Uh, so, uh, emerging out of this uh, weekend that's coming up, we really hope that would be so awesome. I got to tell you, Chris. I mean, as a and I'm a, unashamedly, I'm a fan of you too. I would uh, not the band you too. I am a fan of you too, but I'm a fan of Chris Edwards. Is what I'm trying to say here. Okay, God, would that just not? I mean, I'm just giddy with anticipation because it would be in Durham, right? Well, we don't know because they're both two seeds, so it depends on who's the higher two seed that we can know. Oh, good huh? Lord, dude. Would that not – that 
I mean, listen, I'm a Virginia fan, as everybody knows. I'll, I wear their ink in my skin, dude, but I got to tell literally. you, man. Literally, 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 <laughs> but, uh, but, oh my God, I'm, I'm here for it. I would, you know what? I would rather see ECU Duke than Virginia Duke. You know, I, I, I want no part of playing the Cavaliers anymore. We've been there, done that. We've already won that series. I don't need to do that again. There you go. But I, I'm telling you, man, I would love it. Listen, Chris Edwards, you are the man, dude. Thank you so much for joining us here. Have fun down in Conway. Let's get Duke out of that regional and get you back on next week, dude. Let's plan on it, guys. Thanks for having me on, as always. Dude, you're the absolute best. That's Chris Edwards, Duke University. Uh, Scott Whittington, uh, thank you so much for joining us here in the first hour, too, okay? Thank you for having me on. There you go. Coming up in our second hour, we're going to have April Houston from RAD and uh, on the uh, Brian Hanks Show, presented by Lenore Community College.